Well, we've been talking about uh, love and marriage and relationships, and uh, I told you that this will probably be the last week on this, and it, it may well be, depending on how this goes tonight. This could be my last night, come to think of it, depending on how this goes tonight. But, uh, <laughs> but we'll see. We'll just see. Heavenly Father, thank you, Almighty God, for the opportunity, Lord God, to teach your word. Thank you, Lord God, for your direction today, God. Thank you, Lord God, for unfolding this to me today, O God. And now I pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would bring it forward, O God. Father, that your Holy Spirit would do a work in our soul tonight. Give me your direction and your wisdom, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Last week, we ended rather abruptly on covenant. We were talking about covenant love. Um, and uh, covenant love is love plus loyalty. It's it's a love that doesn't quit. It's an, it's an agape love, a, a love that's, that's benevolent, that's, that's there, that's solid, that's not going to leave just because things don't go their way. It's a love that gives to others without expecting love in return. It's, 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 that's what agape love is. And we talked last week, and we gave the scripture references, and I, I included them this week, but we talked last week about Adam and Eve, just as we were finishing, because Adam loved Eve with that kind of covenant love. And, and as a type of Christ, because he is the first Adam and Jesus is the second Adam, Adam was the first one of his race, Jesus is the first fruits among the new race, which is the reborn us, thus. And so these, these are some things that applied to Adam and applied to Christ and the church. And number one was Adam followed her. He knew what he was doing and he was not deceived. Adam knowingly, willingly partook of the fruit, knowing that he was violating what God covenant had given him. But he did it because he followed her. Just like Christ left the splendors of heaven to follow mankind. Number two, it says Adam would not abandon his bride to the whims of the devil. He was determined to protect her and secure her. And we talked about that in the Hebrew commentary called the Shamash, it says that God had designed Adam with characteristics symbolized by fire, energy, vitality, enthusiasm, lust, and initiative. Adam knew that in order to fight against the things that he was about to face with, with a, a sin-cursed world, that, he would, that Eve would need him to be able to do that in order for her to be able to survive in that world. So he, he wouldn't abandon his bride to the whims of the devil. He was determined to protect her, and to secure her. And number three, he was willing to take all the consequences of separation from God and taste death for every man in order to associate with her in her fallen state. So the third thing that we want to notice about Adam is that he was willing to take all those consequences of separation. He was willing to taste death for every man to associate her in her fallen state. Men go into battle willing to die for their country or to die for a cause. Men go into different situations knowing what the outcome's going to be, but they're willing to take that chance because it's something that they believe in. It's something that they push for. And, and men, are, men are somewhat unique in that. That's how God designed us, is, is to have that fire. If you remember, God designed Eve to be a what? Help, help meet. And what did that mean? To be opposite of man to basically to stand in the way of man 
to help his lust, his vitality, his initiative, his enthusiasm, not to become that fire that consumes everything. Because when people, when you look around the world and you can look throughout history and you can see that there's always been your Mussolini's, your Hitler's, your, um, your, your Roman emperors, people that were, had unbridled lust, unbridled initiative, unbridled, and, and they, were, they were wicked, they were cruel. I mean, look at all the ways we've come up to kill men and women. Do, do, you, do, do you know that in, <laughs> in World War II, the, uh, the Allies bombed a city of Dresden, and it was a city of one of the first cities of Germany they bombed, and they bombed it to try to get the Germans to stop, and there were 70,000 civilians that died in that bombing raid. Did you hear the number I gave you? 70,000 that, that were de killed or injured in that bombing raid. They didn't just bomb military, they bombed civilian targets. And that's what I'm telling you. It's, that's how God, and that's what Adam knew Eve needed in order to survive in this new world. So, with that being said, I, I wanna, we're going to talk about tonight, what we're going to get to eventually is we're going to get to praying for one another, believing in one another, supporting one another, whether that's a spouse or a friend. But before we get there, I think it's interesting to study some things that Solomon said about women. Now Solomon had 700 concubines and 300 wives. So he was, he, he was in contact with a thousand different women from all kind of nationalities, countries, and so he's probably an authority if there is such a thing. <laughs> but Solomon had a lot to say about women in the book of Proverbs. And so what I did today is I just went through the book of Proverbs and I looked up what Solomon had to say about women, what he had to say about wives, what he had to say. And here's what I found out. The first nine chapters of Proverbs are divided almost equally between words that Solomon gives young men about wisdom and words that Solomon gives young men about avoiding strange women. Now, strange women are women that are very low morals, women that are uh, doors and not walls, if you would. That's what a strange woman is. It's a woman that, that doesn't, doesn't have good morals, that, that goes from man to man, that, that, or that maybe not even that, but just she just doesn't, just uses her womanhood to get her way, to accomplish things. We, we, we talked last week about two women that used their, their womanhood in order to seduce Samson. One of them seduced him to tell a, a, a story, to a, a, a answer to a riddle. Remember that? And the other one seduced him to tell where his great strength were. Were both of those women successful? Yes, they were, for you that didn't know. They were successful. Uh, Samson lost the first one because his first wife told the story of the, the lion, and he, he lost his great strength because he couldn't withstand the crying and constant nagging of Delilah. <laughs> David Cravey told me one time, if you treat your wife like a thoroughbred, she won't grow up to be an old nag. <laughs> David Cravey said that. I just repeated it. But, but I want to, and, and I hope this is lighthearted tonight, because, but I want us to look at something here that I think is very important. So the first nine chapters of Proverbs are spent describing Solomon talking to young men about being wise and avoiding strange women. 
So Proverbs 6, 24 through 26 says this, His words were to keep you from the evil woman, from the flattery of the tongue of a strange woman. Lust not after her beauty in your heart, neither let her take you with her eyelids. For by means of a horse woman, a man is brought to a piece of bread, and the adulteress will hunt for precious life. Proverbs 9.13 says this, A foolish woman is clamorous, and that word it means in a continual uproar, noisy and boisterous. She is simple, that means silly and easily seduced, and knows nothing, and that word means knows no shame, she's utterly ignorant, and she's depraved. So a foolish woman is one that's loud, easily deceived, um, knows no shame, you know, the one, that, the one that says, hey, watch, I've never seen a girl do this before. That's, that's, a, that's a foolish woman. Number, Proverbs 14.1 says this, Every wise woman builds her house, but the foolish plucks it down with her hands. When it comes to, when it comes to relationships, particularly between a man and a woman, when it comes to a relationship, the woman sets the emotional tone of the day. When you come into someone's house and you feel the presence of, whether it's peace or contention, when you feel whatever you feel in that house, that's not set by the man. The man is the spiritual head of the house. He will set the tone of the family spiritually. But the emotional tone is set by the woman. And you know it is because there's a saying that says, if mama ain't happy, nobody's happy. The corollary to that is, if daddy ain't happy, nobody cares. If mama ain't happy, nobody is happy. I tell you what, you can have three teenagers sitting on a couch, have clothes all over the floor, and you can have mom come in there and say, what are you doing? Get these clothes picked up off this floor, and I mean now. And you'll start seeing scurrying going around. Because mom has set the emotional tone, and right now it's, it's not a good tone. But mom sets the emotional tone. So a wise woman will build her house up. But the foolish woman has the ability to tear it back down because of the emotion. She's, if she's clamorous, if she's continually, if she's noisy, if she's boisterous, never happy, always complaining. Not allowed, you're not allowed to look at your husband or wife and say anything. No, no smiles, no smiles. Proverbs 18.22, Whosoever finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor of the Lord. Amen. And that is true. That is true. I found a wife, and she is a good thing. As a matter of fact, several of you have told me that the best part of my ministry is my wife. And I will agree with you. I, I enjoy my wife. I do. She's a lot of fun. Proverbs 19.13 says, A foolish son is the calamity of, her father, of his father, and the contentions of a wife are a continual dropping. What does that mean? Continual dropping. Never ends. Always something else to deal with. Continually, continually, continually. Doesn't that sound exciting? None of you are amen to me. Houses and riches are the inheritance of fathers, and a prudent wife is from the Lord. 
Now, I told Kathy one time, I said, you are spending too much money. You're going to have to slow down on what you spend. And you know what she told me? You better be careful because I could spend twice what you make. <laughs> you did tell me that. You want a microphone? No. <laughs> a prudent wife is of the Lord. A wife that's, that's cautious, a wife that's, that's, um, that's, that doesn't just spend everything and buy everything, you know, that continually spending money. I think y'all know what I'm talking about. Proverbs 21, 9, and the corollary is 25, 24. She's got me nervous now because she looked at me funny. Like, huh? You told me that you spent, you, Okay. Um, it's better to dwell in the corner of a housetop than with a brawling, that's a contesting, quarreling, and contentious woman. You guys are scared to say amen, aren't you? I know you are. <laughs> Proverbs 27, 15. Oh, I missed one. Proverbs 21, 19. It's better to dwell in the wilderness than with a contentious and angry woman. There you go. Now, you, now you're getting with me here. Proverbs 27, 15, a continual dropping in a very rainy day and a contentious woman are alike. Isn't this fun? You having a good time yet? Proverbs 30, 21 through 23, for three things the earth is disquieted and for four which it cannot bear. For a servant when he reigns, a fool when he's filled with meat, for an odious, that means hateful, jealous, looks on others with other disdain, and hatred, that means she's haughty, uh, arrogant, woman when she's married, and a handmaid that is heir to her mistress. So these are some things that Solomon talks about that he's noticed about women. We have a chapter, a whole chapter, chapter 31, and does any of y'all know what that chapter's called? The Virtuous Woman. So Solomon devotes, in his book called Wisdom, Proverbs, he devotes an entire chapter to the characteristics of a virtuous woman. And I'm not going to read the whole chapter, but I do want to read you the last five verses. He says, Strength and honor are her clothing, and she shall rejoice in time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom, and in her tongue is the law of kindness. That should be when, not we. When... Oh, she. She looks well to the ways of her household and eats not the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her. Many daughters have done virtually, but thou excellest among them all. Favor is deceitful, and beauty is vain, but a woman that fears the Lord, she shall be praised. So, why am I reading you all this stuff about women in Proverbs tonight? Why am I telling you about this? I mean, it's kind of funny to read it, but, but why, why am I? I mean, it, it, it's not just women. You know, a contentious husband in a home is just as, as, as harrowing as a contentious wife. And all these things that apply to a woman can apply to a, a husband. Or if you have a friend, if you have a friend that you don't want to go, go out to eat with because they always have problems with the waiter and the waitresses and they always make a scene in the restaurant, you know, I don't know if you've ever been with somebody like that, 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 you know, once in a while maybe, but 
when you go and every time they have a problem with the food or they have a problem with the waiter or they have, they have some kind of issue and, and you just get to where you just say, so I don't, I don't want to go with them anymore because I can't enjoy my meal because I'm just wondering when they're going to say something. You know, that, why, 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 is, why is that important that we understand that? Well, I'm fixing to read you some promises that God gives in relationships. But I want you to understand something tonight. These promises are to those who meet the requirements. Just because it says that if a husband doesn't treat his wife as the weaker vessel or his prayers won't be answered, that implies that the wife is the weaker vessel. Does that make sense? If she's angry, contentious, boisterous, arrogant, looks on everybody with disdain, then she's not the weaker vessel. Don't amen me when I'm preaching good. Settle down. Settle down. Huh? We'll pass. <laughs> so let, let's, look at, let's look at 1 Peter. I'm kind of sweating just a little bit. I don't know if you noticed it. I'm trying to. Am I still on good ground here? Does everybody still love me? I'm just, I didn't, I didn't write it. I'm just telling you what it says. <laughs> I hope so. First Peter 3, 7. First seven verses. Peter says this, Likewise, ye wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they may be one, they may without the word be won by the conversation of the wives while they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear. Whose adorning let it not be with the outward adorning of the plaiting of the hair or the wearing of gold or the putting on of apparel, but let it be with the hidden man of the heart. What is that saying? Is that saying that women shouldn't wear, uh, they shouldn't plait their hair, they shouldn't wear gold and they shouldn't put on nice clothing? Is that what that's saying? No, what's it telling me? Yes, yes. There's nothing wrong with, as a matter of fact, it, I, I think it's, you know, I, I think, I think a, a woman is the, the most beautiful creation that God made. And, and she should, you know. Um, I don't have a problem with a woman wanting to look nice. That's, that's I, don't, I, don't, I don't think that you should, you should uh, what am I trying to say? Somebody help me out here. <laughs> Yeah, I, yeah I, don't, I don't think that we should try to tone that. I mean, it should be decent and modest, of course. But I mean, the, the concept that, you know, if you don't, if, that in order to be a godly woman, you, you don't wear makeup and you, you got to look like you walked out of 1950. You know, I mean, I, 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 and, and if you want to dress that way, that's your business. I mean, I don't, it's none of my business how you dress. You dress how you want to dress. I'm just saying that you don't have to dress that way in order to be considered holy and righteous and, and, and somebody that's, that's, that's godly. Um, God, God moves on women that are wearing lipstick and makeup. And, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, what I've observed, it's, it's fine. So, you know, it's, it's the hidden man of the heart because God's looking on the inside in that which is not corruptible, in the, even the ornament of a meek and a quiet spirit, which in the sight of God is a great price. 
He goes on to say, For after this manner in the old time, the women also who trusted in God adorned themselves, being in subjection unto their own husbands, even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. Now I want you to think about something for just a minute, because I thought about this this afternoon. Whenever Sarah couldn't have any children, whose idea was it for Abraham to take Hagar as a sister wife? That was Sarah's idea. She's the one that presented that. And whenever he did what she asked him to do, are you with me? And whenever Sarah, Hagar became a child and had a son, and then she acted arrogantly toward her mistress, then who told Abraham it was his fault that this happened? It was Sarah. She said, I want you to do this. And as soon as he did it, he said, you, she said, well, you should have you known better. Now look what you've done. <laughs> do what? <laughs> so, so my point is this. You don't have to be you don't have to be a mealy mouth, mealy mouth, subservient woman to be godly. When, when I got amens on that one, <laughs> you don't have to be. You don't have to be that little quiet thing that just wanders through the house and whatever you want, honey. Whatever you want, honey. You're allowed to have an opinion. That doesn't make you not a godly woman just because you have an opinion. Doesn't make you not a godly woman just because you speak your peace. But I'm going to tell you this. There came a moment when Abraham said, we're, we're, going to, we're going to leave the Ur of the Chaldees and we're going to go to a land that God showed me. And she may have argued for a little bit, but there, went, there came a time when she just followed him. She, she listened. She had respect for him. She knew that he heard from God and she may have argued for a minute but when time came, she followed. And I think that's very important. It doesn't mean you, doesn't, you don't have opinion, ladies. It doesn't mean you can't voice that opinion. It doesn't mean that your opinion is slighted. But it does mean that there comes a time when you've got to move. And in order to make a move in a spiritual sense, God has ordained the man to be the spiritual head of the home. Uh, even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters you are, as long as you do well and not be afraid with any amazement. And we talked about that. That amazement word there is a, is a, a strange word. It's, it's really, it, it basically means that you don't act out of character. You don't have tremendous highs and then have tremendous lows. That you act within character of who you are. If you complete those things up there in the top, if that's the type of woman you are, then the man, likewise ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel. Who made her the weaker vessel? God did, but who chose to take on that position? She did. She chose not to be contentious, right? Am I right? She chose not to be angry. She chose to follow. She chose to be the weaker vessel. And because she chose that, then we should honor her giving as being heirs together with the grace of God that your prayers be not hindered. So if, if a woman has met these requirements on the spiritual side of the coin, because the man is responsible 
for the spiritual leadership of the home. If she's met these requirements and then you don't give her honor, then your prayers will be hindered. But if if one of if, if the man is if the woman is contentious and angry and bullying and like a continual dropping, then the second part doesn't work. Does that make sense? And it's the same thing with a man. If you're if you're bullying and jealous and controlling and always demanding your way with your wife or with a woman or with a friend or however that works, if if you're just that way and, and you're it's going to be your way or the highway, and you don't ever listen to them, and you don't ever give them any say. It's just, you know, the floggings will continue until their morale improves in this house. If that's your way, then your prayers aren't going to be answered either because you're not giving respect as unto the woman. She is, God created her to be equal in an opposite sense, but equal. Is that, that right? In this day and time when Peter's writing this, for the most part, women were considered one step above a hired servant. They were basically there to prepare the meals and have the babies, and that's about it. They swapped them. They, they bartered with them. They traded them. They married them for treaties. And God said, it's not to be that way. Back in Genesis, I created Adam and Eve to be equals, but in opposite senses. And that's the way it is to be. And as long as we meet the requirements of what the Holy Spirit's laid out here, then our prayers will be answered whenever we pray together in unity and in faith. Isn't that the way it always works? It always works that way. When they were in one mind and one accord, the Holy Spirit fell. If we want to have the Spirit of the Lord moving inside this building, then we're going to have to be in unity. We can't have contention in here and expect God to bless it. It's not going to happen. We've got to be in unity. We've got to work together. We're a bunch of people with a bunch of different attitudes and a bunch of different personalities, but we bring them together, and we love one another, forbearing one another, so that our prayers can go up and be answered because we come together in the unity of God and the love of the Holy Spirit. Anybody have any questions or comments thus far? I can turn the camera off if you want to. <laughs> Everybody good? Am I, am, no, no comments? No questions? All right. Well, then let's move to the next one, and that's Ephesians. And y'all may get out early tonight. Ephesians, the fifth chapter. Ephesians chapter 5, I have verse 24 on here, but let's start with 22. It says, Wives, submit yourself unto your own husband as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let wives be unto their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives. How? even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify it and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he may present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that that should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loves his wife loves himself. 
He that loves his wife loves himself. So men, if we want our wives to be in that role that Paul lays out here, then they need to feel an unconditional security from us. They need to feel that, that they are secure in our love. They need to be complimented. They need to be, to be um, enjoyed. All of those things that, that a woman needs because women are much more emotional creatures than men, I think. I'm looking around to see if I'm getting any, any amens on that. <laughs> and so they, therefore, the emotional side is, is, has to be, we have to be aware of that. Um, just like tonight in church, you know, I, I said tonight that I enjoyed feeling the presence of the Lord. As Christ loved the church, when he loves the church, he makes his presence known. I feel that presence. I feel that acceptance. I feel that love. I feel that even though, even though I may not have been perfect, I don't, feel, I don't feel any condemnation. I only feel the love of Christ as it touches my heart. So, verse 29, he says, For no man hath hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, even as the Lord the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, of his bones. For that cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall be joined to his wife, and these two shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. And the last verse says, Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife even as himself and the wife see that she reverence her husband. So the, the, the teachings of Paul and the teaching of Peter here as regard to marital relationships or relationships between, uh, I guess you could, well, I don't think you can take this one. This is definitely marriage relationship. But is that be kind to each other. Be courteous. Be, be forgiving. And as we, as we nurture those attributes, then our prayers come together and they are not hindered. But if we fight and fuss, won't submit, demand to have our own way, um, be uncaring, ungiving, not courteous, uh, controlling, jealous, envious, if that's in a relationship, then it's going to be hard for you to feel the love of God in that. God helps us to give us self-esteem. God helps us to give us freedom in our mind. God helps us to, to, to know the love of Christ. And if we know that love of Christ, even if the husband or the wife is not a Christian, the Bible says that we can win them by our chaste conversation, by our, by our kindness, by the love that we show, maybe when they don't show love back. But certainly as two, two couple, two, two who are Christians, we should work together. You know, I, whenever we're talking to uh, couples that are, that are about to get married, we, we tell them that, that the, relate, the, the events in your life, the things that happen in your life, they're like, they're like Velcro. You know, one side is full of uh, loops and one side is full of hooks. And the way Velcro works is that you get enough hooks and enough loops that you can't pull it apart. Somebody nod. Okay, thank you. <laughs> you get enough loops and enough hooks that you can't pull it apart. And that's the way events are in our life. Whenever we 
whenever we share an event, when we share a day, when we, we go through a problem and come out the other side, whenever we, whenever we, we each, each event, I can't think of all of them, but each event that you have where you share something together is an event where you put one hook inside of one loop. And the more those that you share, the more compliments that you give, the more that you work together on that relationship, the more, more times you talk, the more times you know each other, you communicate, the more times you do those things, the more hooks you put in loops. And eventually you can, you can get so enough loops in there that that Velcro makes the two become one. But if you're continually tearing at it, if you're continually tearing at it, then that'll never come together like it's supposed to. The two will never become one. It'll always be two people living in a house that haven't been able to bring their lives together because they haven't made those loops, those hooks, to form that relationship to make the two become one. So that's all I've got tonight. That's it. So, now do you have questions or comments? Communication. Yeah. Well, you know, we talked about we talked about the last word. It's real easy whenever the situation gets heated, it's real easy to always want to have the last word to give that last zinger. Yeah, well, your mama's ugly. And you <laughs> anyway, you know, it, to give that last thing, but we talked about that those, those things don't help. Even if it's not in a marriage, even if it's just two friends, they get into a little bit of a bicker together, you know. To, 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 to stop that as soon as you can, to stop that. You know, I, I know we always, we always want to feel like that we, we, we got it, we won. But really, whenever you... Th those words hurt. And long after, long after you think it's over, those words still play sometimes in people's heads. It's, yes, ma'am. You, you can't take it back. And, and if, it's, if it's hurtful enough, then I'm sorry works, but it takes a long time before those, those hurt feelings heal. So, yeah, um, try to, and, and that's, that's just another, you know, they, they, we, we went to a deal one time and they told us that, you know, if, if, it, if, a, if an argument gets contentious, then you should separate to two corners of the room, write down what you're mad about, and then sit down and share them with each other. Well, when I'm so mad I can't write, that just don't work. <laughs> so anybody else have anything they'd like to add to this? Yes, sir. 
Yeah. Yeah, I think that that's right. I think that, thank you, because you just summed up everything I think I said. I think. That's perfect. Beautiful. 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 All right. Well, then I'm done for tonight. I'll decide whether or not we're going to do this again. <laughs> I'm following a book, actually. I mean, I'm not making this up as a go. I'm actually following a book, Topics. I am making up the Bible studies, but I'm following Topics, and this was his last topic, so we may be done with this. Has this been good? I mean, have you liked Several of you told me that this is kind of taxing. Huh? You think so? You think it's been rough? Right. Right. It won't work. Yes. And and I think that's so important. You know, I I mean, I I huh? You know, I I think um I think that's so important because particularly you know my mom, if I went out on a date, my, the, first, the first words out of my mom's mouth was, where does she go to church? You know, and I, I just got tired of hearing it. I got tired of hearing it. Now, they never asked me when I was dating Kathy. It was always, oh, she's so sweet. <laughs> but if I went out, you know, before... before if I went out with somebody else, it was, all, it was always it. And, and I didn't understand at the time why she was so crazy about that, why, why, that, why that was such a huge deal. You know, she, and she'd say, well, you're gonna, you'll, you, you date who you're going to marry. And I said, well, I ain't marrying this one. We're just going out. You know, just. But anyway, it's, it's so important that our teenagers understand and our young adults understand that whenever you're in a relationship with somebody, you need that needs to be somebody that you can build a life with, and 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 sometimes you can't control who you fall in love with, you know. You can't sometimes you can't control who you fall in love with, and and that's whenever this book comes along, because then you need to compare. You need to say, am I going to be able to build this kind of relationship with this person? I know I'm in love with them. I know I know my heart. I know my heart loves them. 
but am I going to be able to, are they going to be able to do this? And if they're controlling, they always want to see your phone and see who you've been talking to. They want to look at all your texts. There should be some kind of flag that comes up and says, I don't know that I want to live my life this way. Because you think when you change, it's going to get, it'll get better, but it doesn't get better. It gets worse. If they're doing this dating, it's going to get worse when you get married. So it's important. Now y'all are looking at me. <laughs> I got you now. Yes, ma'am. Okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because if, if two are together, if we walk together on the same path and two become one, then our relationship is it's a wonderful, beautiful thing. To be married to somebody 45 years, 34 years, 50 years, 60 years, it's a wonderful thing to know that you built that kind of relationship with somebody. And, and God created male and female so that we never, we never get bored with each other. You could never get bored. If you continually reinvest in each other, you won't never come to a place where you just say, well, I'm just bored in this relationship, if you continue to invest. Okay, I better quit. Stand with me tonight. Let's stop. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord God, for your direction tonight, God. Thank you for your love, your mercy, your grace, Father. I pray, Almighty God, that your Holy Spirit, Lord God, would help us, Father, in our relationships. God, that your Holy Spirit would lead us and guide us every step, Lord God, to be the men and the women, O oh God, that you have designed and ordained us to be. Thank you, Lord God, for this time tonight, Lord God, and I just thank you, O oh God, for the opportunity to, to teach and to preach your word, Father. Lead us and guide us and direct us, O oh God, and bring us back at the appointed hour, Father God, to praise and worship you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you.